All right, everybody. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the special edition podcast version of Cobbers Mean Business. I'm Jack Yakowitz, a board member and co-founder of Cobbers Mean Business, which is a young alumni-led initiative that provides education and networking opportunities for current students at Concordia College. And on November 16, 2019, we hosted our second ever event at the Barry Auditorium on Concordia's campus in Moorhead. The event began with a live panel of young alumni, including myself as the moderator, Skylar Stoner from the class of 2019, Lindsey Jacobs from the class of 2015, and Ali Kafka from the class of 2013. To add a fun little spin on the event, we actually recorded this live as a podcast. Aiming to boost engagement while we were at the event, and knowing that this could be a fun tool to revisit after the event, we wanted to give the podcast panel a try, and we're really pleased with how it turned out. We covered a range of topics on the panel that accompanied the general theme of the event, which was titled Finding Your First Job. And the event played a little bit off the notion that there's this overwhelming pressure as an upperclassman to chart out your career path, when in actuality, the focus should center a bit more on how your first job doesn't necessarily need to be your dream job, but rather a place that can set you up for those crucial next steps. We had a lot of help from sponsors on this event, and I need to first give a huge shout out to Julie Levin and Chris Mason from the Offutt School of Business for the funding and platform to make this event work. Uh, my friends John Beersbach and Dan Cash from Midwest Radio and KFGO need to also get a shout out for helping pull off the live podcast logistics and bringing me the recorded audio. And then Office Sign Company support with some swag. And finally, our committed group of young alumni who make up this career committee drove far and wide to be there that Saturday morning and make the event a roaring success. So now I'm in my apartment almost two months later recording this intro and reflecting back on the awesome time we had. The Cobbers Mean Business Board is busy prepping its next event for March 2020, but in the meantime, why don't I just stop talking and let you get to the main event? We hope you enjoy it. We've got our committee that's traveled pretty far and wide, some people all the way from Minneapolis this morning. Um, I do want to take a second to embarrass Beth Osmond. She was kind of the, the brains behind the operation of Cobbers Mean Business. She reached out to me in early to mid-2018 and talked about a way for us to give back to the students and build this networking group where we could kind of connect young alumni with existing students, present these opportunities. So by a show of hands, how many people were here at the event in March? Okay, woo, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> I like the energy. Um, pretty good, pretty good. It's nice to see some of the returning faces, also some new faces. Uh, our goal today is really about um, finding your first job. So we're gonna start out with a panel up here. I've got some panelists with me, Skylar Stoner, Lindsey Jacobs, and Ali Kafka as well. Uh, the unique thing today is that we're actually going to be recording this as a podcast, too. So if you guys like any podcasts uh, or you want to show this to your friends that maybe missed out on being a part of this, we would really welcome that. So thank you to KFGO for being present. Zach over here. Um, round of applause. Yeah. And also, if anyone wants to stay engaged, uh, hopefully we got some Twitter users. We're going to be using the hashtag Cobbers Mean Biz. So B-I-Z, Cobbers Mean Biz. If you have any questions that pop up, you could get some swag at the end, t-shirts or mugs, uh, for just asking some questions. So please make sure to ask some questions. But we'll dive in. We want this to be conversational, so this won't be a very rigid panel. We're all young and approachable people. Uh, to first get started, if you just want to introduce yourself, Skylar. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, great. Uh, so I'm Skylar Stoner. I am a graduate of class 2019, so freshly in the professional world. Uh, my current role is at the Barry Foundation. It's a private family foundation here in Fargo, um, the namesake of the room here. Um, and I am from Fargo originally. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Lindsay Jacobs. Um, I'm a graduate of the class of 2015. Whoop whoop. 
Thanks. Um, and I am an account executive at Microsoft out of the Minneapolis office. And I'm from the Minneapolis area. My name is Allie Kafka, also Minneapolis. Um, I'm a class of 2013, and I work at Meditech. It's a healthcare software company where I supervise a team of staff that implement the software around the US, Canada, and Africa. Cool. And I'm Jack Yakowitz. I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Office Sign Company in Fargo. Um, and today I wanted to start, I don't know if you guys saw the branding, our student liaisons, Tyler Tessman, Sam Saban, and Avery Hovland did a really good job of getting a lot of you in the room here, but our branding is along the lines of finding your first job. And so, sorry for those of you that I'm blocking. Uh, we, we talk a lot, I think, when I was first coming out of college about finding that perfect career. And I think what a lot of us have learned is that that doesn't necessarily happen right away. Uh, I read something recently that was, um, we focus too much energy on where we hope to be and not enough about the roads that we want to travel. Uh, for all of us, I think we've gone in some kind of unique paths. And so I want to start by just opening up the conversation with uh, what your experience has been so far, uh, what you thought you were going to be doing when you were in college, perhaps, and where you're at today that maybe has migrated a little bit away from what your expectation was. I am a planner, so I thought I had this great plan, and I graduated with a degree in healthcare administration and thought I will work for a healthcare organization, that's what I interned in, that is the clear path, that is what I will do. That is not what I did and not what I have done since graduation. Um, I found a job at a software company, which I would not describe myself as technical at all, but one of my internship bosses started at that company, used it as a launching off point, and I said, if she can start there and be where she is now, I can do something similar. And I've now been at that company for over six years and done a ton of different things there and grown. Um, so I haven't been in a healthcare organization. Maybe I will in the future, but it hasn't been part of my path to date, and I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Early in college, I was a biology major and thought that I was going to be the next doctor in the world, you know, following those dreams from high school um, and marching forth. And then I realized this is not of interest to me. Shout out to all those that can do biology, but it was not for me. Uh, so I hopped on over to the world of business, which at the time was a big life choice. Um, I was also a planner thinking that, you know, I had my whole life planned out and then it all fell through. Um, so it was a big transition at that point. And then, you know, once I was in the business world, thought that I was going to hop out of Fargo as soon as graduation hit. Um, but here I am still in Fargo and it, it worked out. I feel you. <laughs> I, I would have I never thought the same either, but I, I think what we found is that there's a really, really cool business community in downtown Fargo, so if I could make any pitch for Fargo, for those of you that didn't think, I'm from the cities too, so anyways, I'll, I'll go back to Lindsay. Yeah, I, I would say um, you, you never really know where your path will go. I started my career in marketing, and I latched onto a company that actually was an internship in Fargo, and rode that wave for as much opportunity as I possibly could and never thought I would move into sales. I thought it was slimy and marketing and sales kind of have their own little competition. So anyways, now I'm in the sales side of the world, but um, you never really know what you're going to perceive something to be. And um, later on, your personality develops and you decide to choose a job based on the experience it will give you. And your perception of the job doesn't matter. And I would say don't put yourself in a in a shoebox too early on and um, choose the company not the job would be my yep absolutely so 
it seemed like from the registration list, we've got people from a variety of different uh, classes right now. We've got some sophomores here, some freshmen, juniors, seniors. Uh, I want to ask the panel, when you recall beginning your search for your job post-college? Because for me, it was very late. Like, I, I had already graduated. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's unnerving because as you're sitting here, and it's only November, you know, if, if you are a senior, it's only November, but already it feels a little bit like the clock's ticking. So what can you kind of speak to as far as your experience uh, in searching for your career? I go first since I'm the closest one to uh, the students in the room um, in age. Uh, I think back to last year, about this time is when I was thinking of when, what, what do I want to do next? Um, I didn't really start looking for a specific role or anything, um, but just was surveying the, the marketplace and seeing what opportunities are available. Um, over Christmas, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and just job searches. Again, not looking for opportunities in Fargo, but seeing what's, what's out there beyond um, what I'm familiar with. And it was in, then I procrastinated actually, because senioritis hit really hard that, that second semester. Um, but it was in May that I finally decided on what I was going to do and went forward with it. It was from an internship opportunity um, that led me into my current role. So that's how it, it worked out. And I was living a reactive lifestyle at this point, but I encourage all of you to live a proactive lifestyle and search well in advance. It'll, it'll alleviate a lot of stress. I support that too. <laughs> When did I start my job hunt? Um, part of what I thought was the plan is I had an internship after graduation, um, which was part of the healthcare program, which was awesome. So I said, well, after that's done or when that's nearing the end, then I'll start my job hunt. Looking back, it would have been really great to be more active in that prior to my internship or even during it to help guide some of my internship experiences. I was just like, I'll take whatever this internship's gonna give me Oh. I knew that was going to happen, Hank. I was going to say something. <laughs> Anyways, that's Sign down. You. Sign down. Thanks, Grace. Um, it would be really nice to help drive or be more informed about what I thought I wanted my experience to be and use that in my internship, but I kind of just took what they gave me, which was still really valuable, and started my job hunt very near the end of my internship, looking around at different organizations and different health systems and all of those different things. And... Um, I felt really fortunate that my internship bosses were able to say like, what about this place? Or have you tried this place? Or kind of guide me in that. But I just wish I would have started that three months prior and gotten so much more guidance and advice from those people that I was working with and be able to use that internship to say like, this I really like. Or this, it's okay, but it's not something that I'm really good at or I don't really like it and that's okay. But I, I liked everything at that point and I was going to be good at everything and I was going to, love any job that I was like I was just kind of desperate um, and willing to be whatever a job needed me to be um, and I think that's a position that a lot of new grads are in and that's okay but coming to that awareness of what what you want and what you don't want both of those are equally as valuable yeah absolutely and Lindsay I know you were in a similar position as me where you were interning at a place and took a full-time role that you maybe wouldn't have thought you you would have done and now recently have had a pretty big life change do you want to speak a little bit about what's going on in your world yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I worked for an internship here in Fargo, um, a company, Evolution One, now known as Wex. It's a big office by Costco. Um, and it, it was it was great, and I um, wrote it out, like I said, for five years as much as I could and, and um, didn't feel the need to move, which I think happens when you join a good culture and a good team and you make your intentions clear of where you're looking to grow. 
Um, and then recently I, I managed my network for approximately eight months. Um, I knew I wanted to go to Microsoft. I knew I wanted to move into a sales role, account executive role, and it took a long time. And that would be the thing I would say is you have to get your foot in the door. You have to do a lot of coffee networking dates. You have to really state your value and how you can bring value. And even though I was completely the underdog interviewing for that job, um, I think you, if you can speak to your value and how you can um, really show up every day, you can get it. So I, I think it's been a big change moving to a huge company. And I, I want to go back to the looking for your first job because I want to say I probably cried every day. and last senior year um, and I wanted to go for the Microsoft then and if you didn't have an internship it was kind of hard if you were looking for roles um, that you felt like you were qualified for and uh, if you didn't come from Yale or Harvard or those kind of things the Medtronics of the world and Concordia was a smaller name and I would say um, that you can work in a job and gain a lot of experience and get yourself to that level over time too um, don't get frustrated that when you're trying to apply for an entry-level job, there are a lot of applicants, and do not get frustrated that you're not worthy of that job. Um, look for experiences that can bring you um, well, a well-rounded resume and, and go for that. So I would say it's been a great life change. It's only three weeks in. I'm drinking from a fire hose, but um, it's, been, it's been great. So, But it took a long time to do it, and so that would be the thing I would say is it, it takes a while. Absolutely. And uh, I know it probably seems a little intimidating even for, for many in the room to think about what internship experiences you can have. But to me, one of the big luxuries of Concordia is that you have the opportunity to play critical roles on so many student-led organizations, too. And I, I see some familiar faces who have approached me uh, from student-led organizations on, on campus, too. So if you guys could just talk to what clubs you were involved with while you were at Concordia and what you think you gained the most from being a part of that. I'm going to start calling names because there's <laughs> always the awkward. I'll like go. <laughs> they all just looked right at me. So I'll go. Um, two that were really big for me. One, SHMA, Student Healthcare Management Association. Love it. Can't say enough about it. Um, obviously, is very applicable to the healthcare administration major. Um, and it gave me a lot of good experiences. I got to see what other alum were doing, um, see what master's programs were out there. Those things were all really great and very foundational. Honestly, the biggest thing that I use still today out of that would be my peers. The people that I graduated with, I had coursework with, that we went through Schma and planned all of those events and did all those experiences together, those are the people that I call up and we can talk shop, which helps with my personal life to draw some of those barriers, but also we can talk about what are those challenges that you're working with. I had to deal with this staffing problem and it blows my mind that I have to reprimand someone for this thing and they're like, oh no, let me tell you. Like it just, that camaraderie and that kind of understanding that we have, not only from a shared experience at Concordia, but then leveraging that into our careers has been huge. A few of those people are here in the room today, so thank you. Um, and the other thing was a homecoming committee, which I loved. It was so much fun, it was a lot of work. Um, but the biggest thing that I learned out of that, not like how to plan and be organized and meet people and kind of all of those things that everybody says, but the hard lesson that I learned in homecoming committee. So I was under the perception that you have to interview to be in homecoming committee. Like it's kind of intense. Like, I don't know. I was one of those intense people at that moment. <laughs> and I was under this perception that everybody was going to kind of be like running at the top of their game, be organized and be involved in all of these things. And the committee that I was on 
that was not true for all of us involved. So we had to figure out what it was like to get the end goal accomplished without having a fully operating team. Not everyone on our team was involved. Not everyone was doing their what they were supposed to be doing in that group. And I just had this perception that it was going to be great because everybody had to interview for it, which was which was not true. And it is not true of the working world, but learning what it's like to work with people that maybe just have different priorities or goals or aren't leaning into that experience at that exact moment um, to still accomplish the outcomes and learn something from that was something that I wouldn't have admitted to you a couple years ago that that's what I learned from homecoming committee. But um, it's been really helpful with the diverse group of people that I've worked with over the last few years of my career. Did you get to keep the cool cardigan too? Is that still a thing? Cardigans for homecoming? Well, here, let's go way back. So I'm the oldest person in this room. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, in fact, I was an OL. A few of my clublings are also in this room. Shout out. Um, and we had the old sweaters, so they weren't even giving those out at this point. So now that they have the new sweaters, people are getting them, but I just I aged out of that, I guess. <laughs> they were cool. I, I almost joined just for those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what drags you in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Lindsay, Skyler, what about you guys? Yeah, I would say, so I was heavily involved in homecoming, Mary Rapa as well. Um, and I would say it it's a great testing the waters of learning how to manage multiple priorities, which you do in the real life with a real job. Um, I totally agree with you on working with other people um, and figuring out how to work with different work styles. And um, I would say it's important to get involved and then think through how you can speak to the value of your experiences. So, okay, we, I was on a committee, you know, rather than a bulleted list of the things you did, think about the bigger buckets of experiences and what skills you have from that and be able to speak to that moving forward in an interview or with someone that you're networking with um, will drive a ton of value. And you have to have those experiences to be able to speak to it. So I would say homecoming was a big one for me. Um, Studying abroad was huge. I gave a plug to a couple gals I met already this morning. But studying abroad is huge as well and, and was a big thing to get involved in and really changes your perspective. Uh, the first one that came to mind was Concordia Dance Marathon, raising money for the Children's Miracle Network. Um, that was a big thing for me in realizing the power that students can have um, and also building a really, really connected network of students and alum um, here in Fargo-Moorhead. And I realized just the power that we all cumulatively can have together. Um, it also reinforced my value of community. I think working towards a cause that I'm passionate about was something that I realized was really important. Um, and was something that I really looked for moving forward in searching for a career and trying to find an organization that had some of that values-based alignment um, for me personally. Another organi- When you explain dance marathon to people, like on a resume, do they know what it is? They don't. They're they, they think you're a good dancer. They think I'm a dancer. I, I get that all the time. It's, <laughs> it's ruined a few job opportunities yep. for me. Yep. And then they're like, hey, can you dance? Do they make you dance in the interview? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you dance for us? Yeah, a the floss. Everyone has that. <laughs> Sorry for cutting you off. That's okay. Uh, the other question that I often get is, are you a runner? Because they think marathon, like running. Right, right. But no. No to both. I don't dance and I don't run. Um, <laughs> the other organization that I think was a really big eye-opener for me was TEDx Concordia College. Um, I was the co-president my sophomore year. And it the, the following year, um, when we did some transition, I also had high hopes. We interviewed for positions. We you know, tried to get a really strong leadership team to come back. Um, but unfortunately, it did not work, and that leadership team um, kind of fell apart midway throughout the year. Uh, so we actually did not have a TEDx event 
since then at Concordia. So if anybody's interested in planning a TEDx event, shameless plug, let me know and I'll help, help, you, get, help you get on the right path. That's awesome. And a really good transition into the next thing I want to talk about. So every time I'm sitting in a room and I, I see panelists, I assume that they've got all their stuff together. Uh, but what I wanted our panelists to talk about is their fails. And I'll, I'll start with my own story. So when I was a, uh, early in my junior year of college, I was at a career fair and I got an internship interview opportunity at the Target store in Fargo. Um, I worked at Target since I was 16 back home in the cities. And uh, they asked me all these questions. I was running late. They asked me all these questions that I, I really didn't know how to answer because I didn't have a lot of experiences. And one of them, I remember they asked what your biggest challenge you overcame was or what, what the worst thing that happened to you in a work setting was and how you battled through it. I basically admitted to a time that I knowingly let someone steal from a Target <laughs> store. There was, it was, it was a, I was flustered. I didn't have anything else to talk about. I saw someone's tub that was, you know, on the lower part of the cart, and I just let them go. And so uh, that was the most painfully awkward interview I've sat through. And immediately after that experience, I said, it's time for me to get involved on campus. So that's when I started joining. <laughs> I didn't have anything. So if you guys feel like you're nervous about it, interview experience just <laughs> remember that story but uh, if you guys want to talk about some of the fails maybe maybe times where things haven't gone according to plan um, you know promotion that you didn't get anything that you've experienced a hardship that you've had to overcome not stealing from Target <laughs> I don't know if I have one that tops that story but <laughs> uh, <laughs> one that comes to mind is I was responsible for coming up with some um, wording for a program booklet that we distribute to a lot of our key stakeholders for an organization that I was working for um, it went through, I, I crafted the messaging, went through our entire team, um, everybody loved it, we refined it, you know, as, as those writing processes do, um, and it reached my supervisor at this organization at the time, and she read it and said, I haven't seen this bit of writing since I was in third grade, and, and it was a really big, like, kind of an ego, I feel like, I feel like she was attacking my ego a little bit, because I felt so proud and confident, everybody loved it, they said, and then it was an, it was an eye-opener again, about, you know, Everybody has their different preferences. Everybody has, you know, sometimes you expect your bosses and supervisors to sugarcoat things, but it's not the reality, and sometimes they just say it how it is. Um, and I think that was a really big point of humility for me um, to realize that I don't know what I'm doing all the time, and even though, you know, six of us may have agreed that it was good, it's not always the best. Um, and it goes, again, with the value of teamwork and everybody's working towards the same goal. So her saying that wasn't attacking my ego like I thought it was right away, but rather trying to come up with a perfect end product. And that was something that was a, a big experience that I still remember. It's a mature take. Uh, Lindsay? Yeah, this is a weird one. Um, but I, I interviewed, casual kind of interview, for a marketing lead job for a startup in Minneapolis. And the guy was young, fresh, great culture, and I was excited about it. And um, he was like, you know, why don't you go home and, you know, think about how you would tackle a new market for us? And, and you know, what, what, would, what would you do if you got the job in, in the next 90 days? What are your ideas? And I stayed up all night. I um, wrote down a lot of ideas. I, I mapped it all out, and I sent it to him via email, which was a mistake because I never heard back. And then I also see the ideas being impl implemented every uh, day. Royalty payments? Um, anything? No. Oh. So it, it don't do that. Um, if I if I could have had advice, I would have sat him down again and had an additional engagement with him in person and been able to speak to it and have that kind of second chance at getting the job. 
Um, so I would consider that interview a big fail. Um, Jack gave us all a warning that we were going to have to talk about some failures and thinking about it. The biggest one that I would really tell you about, I struggle with because it's a failure of mine that impacted someone else. Um, I'm in a hiring position, so I hire people pretty frequently to my team. Hired someone, they had a variety of backgrounds. They were a new grad, but they have an internship experience. We had similar experiences in a healthcare industry, moving into software and IT, had kind of all the things on the resume and a good interview that, that it would work out well. And he worked for me for a number of months, went through training, um, and was kind of average, kind of below average in some areas, but it was hard to pinpoint. And it was my job to help address those things and talk about those things. We were talking about them, and nothing was improving, and nothing was improving. And it got to a point where this was someone that I had to fire, and it was the first person I had to fire. And being able to be confident and comfortable in that decision and know that I did everything I could to try and really improve that person because you never want to get to the point of termination. Um, but nothing I was doing was working. It wasn't working for him. It wasn't working for me, for our team. Um, and it was really tough. We just like couldn't get through to each other, wasn't hitting the job role, and he wasn't succeeding at it either. And I had to fire this person. Um, and it was really tough, and it's an awkward beating, and it never goes well. And um, I rack my brain all of the time. Was, is there something we could have been different? Could I interview differently to look for these types of things? And it's, it's not super clear. It's not always obvious. Sometimes it's a gut when you hire someone, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. And it's, I take a lot of that on myself, which I, is hard, but I think that makes me a good boss. But it's also something that they need to take on. Um, so yeah, firing your first person is, it's hard. So I hope it's, if it's not hard, then you're doing something wrong. But yeah, that was, really, yeah. <laughs> that was really, that was, that was really tough. That was really tough. Absolutely. Um, really quick aside, make sure to tweet something at hashtag covers mean biz. Cause Sam's going to come up in a little bit and, and talk through that. But, uh, on the, on the topic of being on the other side of the table, so not, not, uh, interviewing for a job, but actually being the person that is interviewing someone um, and being a manager. Can any of you speak to some advice that you would have for those in the room uh, that are prepping for an interview? What, what things you really look for? Because for me, one of the biggest things that I, that I try to look for is if someone seems a little bit nervous. And I, I think, you know, those that get anxious about those kind of settings, uh, to me, that, that shows that someone actually cares. Uh, if someone comes in and they're way too confident, feel like they should already be given the job, it's a big red flag to me. And Hank's a recruiter. He's nodding his head in the back row, too. But what do you guys look for? What, what is it that you look for in a potential golden candidate? You can start. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what do I look for? The basics, which um, I had someone say to me, they came prepared. They had something that said, well, yeah, that's the Concordia way. And I said, you'd be surprised. Come prepared. Like, bring a pen to an interview. If you don't, and the whole interview goes at the end, and then you don't have a pen at the end, I'm like, yikes. So just be prepared. Like, know what you're applying for. Know what types of things you want to get out of that interview. Have a notebook. Have a pen. Know what you're going to talk about. And, and really just be engaged. And the other thing is, be a human, not a robot. Um, because... I want to make sure that you're a good fit for the job, but you also need to be a good fit for my team. I need to know that 
I can be a good boss for you um, and what what you like, what you're looking for, what you know you're not looking for, um, and just be transparent about all of those things and um, be professional, but really just be a human and not kind of the regurgitated, super rehearsed um, responses. Because really, we're trying to make sure it's a fit on, on both sides, even though sometimes it might not feel that way, but I promise that's what we're trying to do. That's good advice. Lindsay, I know you had an intern for a period of time. Um, were you involved in that interviewing experience? Uh, what, what qualities kind of told you that they would be the right fit for the job? Yeah, I, I think a growth mindset, somebody who is not just looking to check it off the box and keep moving, um, someone who's invested in providing value and, and making the most of their time, um, and, and one who... Yeah, who can who can see the broader picture of how their actions and their behavior plays a part in the team and takes part of that and and doesn't think ten feet in front of them? I think is big. I think um, it's a great opportunity to be able to manage someone um, and to be a part of that journey of, for them and somebody who is thinking in a growth mindset and and like at Microsoft, part of the commission is are you a good team player? Like it's a big portion of it. Like do you do the things that help others and like sending your decks and sharing your knowledge and like being a team player is huge and i think that that's one of the best candidate qualities a candidate can have that's awesome um so you get the job and skylar you can probably relate to this since you you got a, a job pretty recently um and then what do you do once you're in that position to make yourself more promotable or to, to let your superiors know, hey, I want to take on more and you don't want to be too confined to your job description. What have, what have you kind of done to set yourself apart from others in the office? I think being a yes man is a big thing. Um, always saying yes, taking on opportunities, even if it is an intimidating task that your supervisor, or, you know, your coworker asks of you, um, just really hopping on board and owning it. And they know that most employers know that we as fresh grads or current students don't have all the answers. And they're willing to help coach us through that experience. Um, so just saying yes, taking on anything and everything that I can to gain some exposure, um, to learn what's, what else is out there and try to get the big picture of the organization. Um, and then doing those little things too, I think helps you to stand out in like, for my office, the first thing that I can think of is like putting the dishes away in the dishwasher and things like that. It's just something so little, but it makes your supervisors realize that you're not placing yourself above certain kind of work um, and that you really are trying to be that team player and that's something that I think is a big portion of. But then you promoted. become the dish guy, and everyone takes advantage of the dish guy. We <laughs> we always have to. Oh, it's a horrible thing. We always have dirty dishes. I'm I'm a dish guy too. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay, have you had any any experiences that that have kind of tailored you to to growing uh, when you were at Evolution? Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest thing. No one will advocate for you unless you advocate for yourself. And you have to believe in that you can do it and stating your intentions with your manager of I'm looking and starting early on of like, hey, FYI, I'm looking to expand in these this skill set. If there are opportunities where, you know, it might I could listen in on a call and just kind of be the fly on the wall. And, you know, just your manager is there to help you develop. And so I would say just having that honest transparency of the skills you're looking to gain to bring you to the next level is great. Um, and, and that way you can start to develop quietly and, and move forward and learn and continuous learning. Um, but I would say it'll happen naturally if you just are a good team player too. Absolutely. Sam, I'm going to invite you up. We got about 10 minutes left and has Twitter, Twitter been trending? 
probably like two tweets. <laughs> Myself being one. Okay, hi everyone, my name is Sam Sabin. I'm a junior here and I had the honor of acting as a student liaison this year and interacting with some of these amazing alumni members. So we're gonna take advantage of them being here and hashtag Gabramine Biz on Twitter. So yeah, our first question is, when did you realize that your first job was not your dream job? Oh, Rita, Rita asks um, that question. <laughs> Mine was the second day I was there, and the first day, <laughs> I'm serious, and the first day was like, fill out your 401 whatever, like, it, it was the second day, and I was sitting in, in training, and we had a training class of about 15 people, and they had a large variety of backgrounds, and the first thing that they did was mock up what the walkthrough of a clinic was like when you go there as a patient. So like you see the nurse, they take your vitals, you see a doctor, and then they end up charging the insurance company. And I was like, this is obvious. I know all of this, not only am I a patient, but like, and the fact that we had to go through that, and that was kind of the baseline, and we were working with such a variety, and, and I had such a strong hold on all of these things. I was like, okay, this is something that I need to figure out what I can learn here, um, what this role looks like, and where my avenue is. Because my avenue wasn't learning how healthcare works. That's something that I knew from my experience at Concordia. My avenue was learning how to manage a project, like how to work with customers across the US, like how to get into in-detailed software issues and know when to bring that to a programmer or a developer or suggest development changes. It wasn't learning about the industry. Um, and I was, yeah, it was really hard. I think I called my mom and I was like crying. I mean, the classic, which I don't know. Ugh. It's not something that I would normally do, but I did. And then I, I just had a mind shift of what's the value that I can gain out of this role that can make it valuable for me, valuable for my employer, and what can I then leverage? And sometimes that value was learning new skills, and sometimes the value was that I could go home at 4.30, like, it, it, it fucks in the job, but yeah, second day was, oof. yeah. Yeah, okay, question from Tyler. What has been your favorite and least favorite thing about your job or career? I was gonna say, I, I don't wanna be one of those people that's like, hates an idea, but the whole dream job concept I think is kind of crap because I think your dream like your focus job of what sounds great changes the target moves every three years as you change and your personality changes and whatever so I, I think there are going to be bad like parts you really that suck about every job and that like the dream job and, and I just don't want people to continue to try to search for something else because sometimes it's right in front of you if you just try to flex your job, like you said, and make it work for you and try to do different things within your role. Um, so I would say favorite, okay, that was totally off topic. Favorite <laughs> thing, um, I would say meeting people from all over the country. Um, diversity of thought is huge, is, is great. When you work on a team where you can hear people that come from different stories than you. Um, worst part? Yeah, we were talking about how business travel is great, but also not great at the same time. It can be um, kind of a bore, so, yeah. 
Okay, question from Justin. When looking for jobs or internships, how many did you apply for? Sure. Um, how many have I applied for throughout college? Um, one, two, three, four. I think I applied for like seven different internships, and I think I had four of the seven. So, you know, about a 50%, um, which is probably pretty high. I was lucky to have that success rate, um, but that's probably not the reality for everybody. Um, and then with my current role, I guess, it stemmed from an internship. Um, and one of, the, one of the pieces of advice that I have, I think, is to cultivate those relationships. Every internship, every um, you know, job now that I've had has stemmed from a relationship with somebody. Um, I've had somebody helping to advocate for me on the inside. Um, I've had positive mentors that help me establish all those cover letters, resumes, everything that goes into the job application process. Um, so find your personal board of directors, as I like to refer to them as, um, those biggest champions in your life that will help to support you. And that's, I think, where I've been fortunate to have somewhat of a, a higher success rate in terms of hiring. Yeah. Is there a fourth one? Yeah, we got some questions. Oh, yeah. I'll take the fourth and final. Okay. So this is a question from Connor, and this is a question that I'm re can relate to. So how do you approach formal mentorship relations and maintaining them? Um, <laughs> that's the toughest one. <laughs> uh, I think I lucked into a situation where my boss was just a mentor to me. Um, he's doing exactly what I want to do someday in life. He started, I work for Office Sign Company, he started uh, a digital marketing agency 10 years ago because he wanted to spend more time with his kids. And OfficeSignCompany.com was a mock website that he built at the time. Uh, didn't sell signs or anything. He just like stumbled into this mock site and then started to get a bunch of sales. And so he's like, oh shoot, I better start making signs so I can fulfill this. Uh, and 10 years later, he's got two locations, 46 employees. We do about six million a year. So he, he's built something really cool. And all the while, he stayed really true to himself. Um, I was at a speaker event recently, and they said, you know you're living a successful work life when there's no separation between your professional self and your personal self. And that's kind of what I aim for, too. That's why I'm more drawn to a small business where I, I feel like I can just be myself. I'm even on stage, you can probably tell I'm a little less polished, maybe, Beth. <laughs> less polished than Beth. Um, but, but I think that that's been a really cool thing. So I, I stumbled into a great situation where I, I had this natural built-in mentor. Um, but really, you know, I think you'd be surprised if you just ask. I've had a few people, um, even in this room, that have asked to sit in and just shadow uh, an experience at Office Sign Company. And I'm always game for that. You'd, you'd be surprised how many people welcome those opportunities and it, it provides a little sense of fulfillment to what you're doing too. It's fun to, to reminisce on where I was at, you know, five years ago before graduating too. Um, but yeah, just, just ask and, and seek out someone that you want to be very intentional or intentional about um, working for or working with. Thanks, Sam. Round of applause for Sam. Uh, we'll close up here to, to just give some thank yous first and foremost to our board members. If you're on the board, could you stand up quick? Allie, you too. Do I have to stand? This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you to our board for, for being a part of this. We uh, have really enjoyed just connecting over the phone uh, every month for the last 18 months or so uh, as we've been planning these events. And it's, it's 
been a great experience to work with so many fun people and reconnect. Uh, to our career committee too, so all of the committee members from 2013 through 2019, thank you guys for coming out. Students, thank you for being here. Zach and KFGO, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Um, to close things up here though, I, I do want to just ask one final question. Uh, if you could give one succinct piece of advice to people that are uh, about to be entering the job market and, and searching for a new job, what would you say? What, what would be the piece of advice you would give yourself when you were going up to graduation? The Concordia bubble is great, but at the same time, feel welcome to escape the Concordia bubble and seek out opportunities in the broader Fargo-Moorhead community. And come, come downtown Fargo. It's great. Yeah, I would say don't panic and settle. Um, take time to think about what your possibilities are. I think getting out even side of Fargo and going some, living somewhere you've never lived, like there's never going to be a time in your life like this to really explore yourself and the dimensions that you have. So take time to think about where you want to be and, and the experiences you want and go off of experiences, not a list of qualifications. Don't border yourself in. My advice would be job descriptions are hard and confusing. And even if they say these are the job requirements, if you meet most of those, apply. Specifically for women. There are statistics that if women look at those, if you don't meet every single one, you won't even apply for the job. And statistically, men will apply. Um, so know your value and know what you're good at. But know you don't have to ch fill in 100% of every box. That's what the interview process is for. That's awesome. And. I guess my final piece would be to embrace things that make you uncomfortable. Maybe even being here today is one of those things. It's, I used to hate sitting in the crowd and, and listening to these things. So it, uh, you know, if you feel anxious about this, uh, you feel anxious about other things that are coming up, it's, it's healthy to be nervous and healthy to, to care about something. So embrace those opportunities. I know they're always growth lessons for me. Um, final round of applause for our panelists. Thank you guys for being present. And that was the end of our event. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Looking forward to talking to you about the next event. Again, in March 2020, we are expecting our next Cobbers and Mean Business event. And hopefully we'll have another podcast for you down the road too. But in the meantime, we'll let this sweet music play out. Bye.